everyone welcome back to the Nick's state of mind podcast i'm your host chip murphy here with a very special guest tonight a first time guest but a friend i have jack skolnick on the podcast long overdue appearance from jack contributor to the wiz of oz site on fansided and co-founder of the working title podcast jack thank you for coming on no problem, man. It's been uh, it's been quite the uh, quite a good time working with you over these you know over these past couple of months. I'm glad to be here. That yeah yeah oh, well like I said well overdue. We've been talking about this for a while. Really wanted to have you on, and we're recording this on uh, Wednesday night, July 21st. So basketball fans, we all just watched Giannis close out. Uh, an amazing finals win over the Phoenix Suns, 50 points. One of the few mm-hmm. players to score 50 points in a finals game. Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, yeah. honest for shutting up the haters. An amazing, <laughs> an amazing performance. Kendrick Perkins. Absolutely. Oh. I mean, <laughs> watching Kendrick Perkins get his from Jalen Rose was amazing today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Yeah, that, that was great. Just great. Oh, for sure. For sure. Anytime, anytime Perk, Perk gets anything from anybody. I don't even dislike Perk, but just listening to people give it to him is always funny. <laughs> yeah, he's so. – I mean, he's such an easy target now. But Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. Like I was – well, like I was telling you before we started recording, I was planning on starting with uh, the Wes Unsell Jr. article that you wrote and the hire, mm-hmm. which we yeah. will get to, obviously. But mm-hmm. then a – a bombshell got dropped right into our laps, which you're smiling right now. <laughs> the, uh, the report from ESPN's Mark Spears about uh, Russell Westbrook and the Lakers, which I'm going to read it word yes. for word because I don't want to get misquoted or anything. Uh, <laughs> it says, according to sources, LeBron James and Los Angeles Lakers have been on the hunt for a veteran point guard, and Chris Paul is on the list, obviously. And there have also been talks about Washington Wizards star Russell Westbrook being a candidate, a potential candidate to move back home to Los Angeles in a side-and-trade deal that could include free agent point guard Dennis Schroeder, forward Kyle Kuzma, and guard Talon Horton Tucker, sources said. Mm -hmm. So, Jack, as someone who covers the Wizards and is also a Wizards fan, what are your initial thoughts to that? All right, so let me let me start this by saying that I've been team blowing up since Wall tore his Achilles, and that's going on, you know, two and a half years now. So I just want to make that apparent before we dive too deep into it. Um, I've never really changed that viewpoint. Um, you know, when they wanted to compete, it's kind of just like, cool, you know, I understand why you're doing it. But Realistically, you're just kind of kicking the can down the road for a rebuild, regardless of who's on your roster right now. Um, The Westbrook idea is interesting to me, and it's a lot more interesting to me than most Wizards fans. Because I think I understand that most Wizards fans, you know, feel, you know, want to be competitive. It's I get it. You know, I I understand that thought process. Um, I think that if you did that trade for for THT and, and Schroeder and Kuzma, that's, you know, you're moving Beal also. Um, I don't think you make that trade for those guys unless you're going to move Beal or unless you know that there's going to be somebody who's really interested in those guys for some other star, which we know is not going to happen. Um, so I think it's, you know, if, if Beal asked for a trade, I think that's an intriguing deal to move Westbrook if Beal, you know, also wanted to leave. Um, I think the big thing that people have to remember about Westbrook is like, regardless of who Russell Westbrook is as a player, that, that deal is not easy to move, you know, as we know, as it's been documented a thousand times just with super maxes and, and being hard to, you know, to be moved. You know, they traded Wall in a first for Westbrook, which is basically you're just swapping contracts for, you know, Westbrook's clearly the better player than Wall right now, but it's, you're not, you know, it's, it's kind of just a swap. It's not really a trade for, you know, for a whole lot else besides, you know, those two needed a, a change of scenery when they, when they moved them. 
Um, so my thing is, if you want to, you know, if you if, if Beal says he wants to get traded and you have to start your rebuild, I think that's a it's an intriguing deal, you know, for the THT part of it, right? I mean, he's 20 years old. You know, he's shown a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, he can do a lot of different things on the court in his in his action with the Lakers. Um, you know, obviously, it's a little bit hard to get get the run that he needs to when you have LeBron and AD and all those other guys who need minutes. So I think, you know, if you could get a guy like that and kind of, you know, restart, you know, and and sign him to you know whatever deal because he's a free agent this summer, it's it's intriguing. You can take a flyer on Kuzma because he's on a you know I don't I know I know Twitter hates Kyle Kuzma and I don't like Kyle Kuzma, no. but you know if he's not the centerpiece of a of a you know Bradley Beal trade like Lakers fans like to make if he's just a secondary piece in a Westbrook trade who's harder to move you know there's nothing wrong with taking a flyer on that Schroeder nobody wants to pay Schroeder right now um so it's kind of just like you know do you do you take that contract just because so you can kind of get you know get started on your rebuild because at that point if you move Russ and you move Bill, you don't have a whole lot of con. You don't have a whole lot of money on your books. So it's kind of just like, you know, whatever. And then do you move Schroeder down the line? But I think you know, considering what you, you know, with his contract being hard to move, it's hard to match salaries and get back what you want to get back if you're going to trade a Russell Westbrook. I think that the THT in particular part of it is interesting. I will say, I'll just I'll, I'll start it like that. Yeah, I so. agree with you on that, and. You're, I think you're completely right about one thing. Like the people who were coming out like, oh, that's not enough for Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook has a $47 million player option yeah. in 22, 23. Mm -hmm. It's going yeah. to be extremely difficult to move him. And I'm not sure you're going to be able to get a better prospect than THD. Uh, so yes. I, this isn't a crazy deal. The, the one thing that gives me pause is, and you pointed it out, the money you'd have to pay Schroeder. So are yeah. you moving off of Russ's bad contract and then possibly moving on to another one with Schroeder, but mm -hmm. maybe you have to bite that bullet to get off Russ. So yeah. is it really worth it though? Maybe if, if you really want to blow it up, I don't know. Like, but that's the thing. There's got to be another deal out there, right? Or you have to hope yeah. there is. You got to shop yeah. for one because I just think Schroeder – Maybe maybe you think higher of Schroeder than I do. I, I want your opinion on Schroeder. I think Schroeder makes you worse, like significantly worse. Like I, I don't think he's a winning player. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that I don't think that Schroeder is filler right now. Like I'm not I'm not going to call you know. I'm trying to think of like some bad filler contracts that we've had. Like the the, the summer sixteen free agents. I don't think he's on that level. You know that like Mozgov type of deal where you're literally throwing that contract away to, you know, to get rid of it and throwing and attaching an asset. Schroeder's clearly not, you know, what he's wants to get paid. And I think that if he ended up in Washington, because you're not trying to be good. So it's just kind of like you're trading Beal and you're trading Russ. It's just, if you like THT and if you, if you're okay with a flyer on Kuzma, you want to blow it up because then you're going to get a million assets for Beal it's kind of like you to move off of those contracts, you have to bring some sort of money back. So it's just kind of like picking your poison at that point. I don't love Schroeder either. Um, you know, I, I think he's just kind of what he is. I think we saw exactly who the real Dennis Schroeder is this past season, you know, and the way he played and the way he kind of handled his contract situation. But it's kind of like, if you're not trying to be good because you're in a rebuild, it's kind of like you're going to have to take on some money somewhere because you know, that's just how the NBA works. Um, so yeah, don't love him, but you know, at that point, you know, it's better than bringing on, you know, another bloated contract. Cause like Schroeder, the other thing about Schroeder and his, cause it's all about the money for in Washington. It's, you know, if he's getting paid $20 million a year and that's taking up, you know, a big chunk of your, your salary cap, cause you're not paying anybody. It, it kind of is what it is. Yeah. So. Yeah. And like, you got to pay, you got to make the money work to get rid of a yeah, guy, exactly. like a guy with Russ, uh, Westbrook's salary. So you mm -hmm. got it. You do have to take on some money, and I guess realistically, if if you can get one good year out of Schroeder, you could be able to move him out down the line. And every every once in a while, he feels like he's a guy who could have a a good stats, bad team year. So yeah, maybe for sure, it's really realistically movable, and he is a young guy. So I, I agree with you. I don't think this is this is a bad trade if it's something that happens. I also I don't think the Lakers have any first round picks to move. I, I think they're completely done on on those. Yeah, 
I think that you're high. I think that regardless, I think that, you know, the, the THT prize is what you're going for. Yeah. And I think that if you're the Lakers and you're, and if you I see like the, the problem is with this kind of stuff is like, it's so easy to look at it on one side, you know, cause then you look at it and you go, you know, do the Lakers really want to move THT if they only think that they have, you know, a year or two left of LeBron or whatever the case is, there's so many variables that come into trades like this, which is why they're so hard to get done. So it's kind of just like, you know, the first round pick doesn't really matter if you're getting that. But again, like you said, you have to bring the money back. Um, I was reading uh, the, cause I always like to look at things from both sides when I, when this, when this kind of stuff happens. So the, the silver screen and roll, I think is what it's called, which is the Lakers. SB Lakers. Like, yeah. 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 So they had brought up that there's like nine variables that have to like go properly for, for this to, to go, you know, to go through. And it's, a, do the Wizards want to play ball? You know, do they want to leave relevancy because they're, you know, have more relevancy now than they would with if they moved Russ? Um, would Schroeder want to sign with Washington because you know, would have to be a sign and trade? Did T, would THT want to sign and trade and go to Washington? You know, because they're free agents. So it's, it's, it's about if they would want to be able to, you know, if they would be cool with going there. Um, you know, I think with Schroeder, like he's probably not, I don't see why he would want to go to Washington realistically. I don't. I mean, what, what is, unless he just wants to get paid, which he yeah. might, because we don't I think really he put does. it past that guy. Yeah. He turned yeah, down yeah. the money and, with the Lakers. So I think anyone yeah. who pays him, he'd probably take it. Yeah. I, and if that's the case, I would have, I would have no problem with having THT and Kuzma and a bloated Schroeder plus Beal assets. I really wouldn't, if you really wanted to get a rebuild going, because they, that's the type of trade where that's a, that's a net positive. If you're landing a prospect like that, if you're rebuilt, if you're not, it's a whole different story. So yeah. I mean, you don't make the, the Westbrook trade unless you're planning on trading Beal. So, Correct. yeah. To, when I first looked at the trade, I thought, I don't know why the Lakers would do this trade. I just don't think because, and Sam Quinn tweeted this out, uh, Russell Westbrook helps the Lakers win a lot of regular season games. He definitely does. <laughs> he definitely mm-hmm. helps them win a lot of regular season games. But when the playoffs come – He's not going to help them win a championship because teams are just going to sag, sag off him completely, and he's not going to help them on defense. And that's their strength. Their defense is their strength, yeah. and he's not going to help them there. So there's got to be other targets for the Lakers. I don't think that this is the right move for them, but I'm sure this is going to be a persistent rumor if someone legit yeah. like Mark Spears put it out there. I think it's I think it's also one of those things where it's like, you know, whatever the relationship, I don't know if there is a relationship, but the the LeBron, you know, it's because it's GM LeBron and GM Anthony Davis at that point. It's do those guys think that Russell Westbrook GM clutch sports Rich Paul, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Who is, you know, who's yeah, you know who's basically agent? running the Lakers himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, if if they think that Westbrook wins them a championship, I think the Lakers have to play ball at that point because you want to make your especially Braun, who's gonna be thirty, I think he's gonna be thirty seven. So it's kind of like how many good years does yeah. he have left? Do we make him, you know, do we put as many, you know, good play? Because Russell Westbrook is still a good player, um, you know, around him just to appease him before he goes out. You know, is that cool with Anthony Davis? It's, it's the variable. The variable game is so weird, which is why I never like – people are like, oh, that's never going to happen. They would never do this. They would never do that. And then you hear the whispers of what's going on behind the scenes, and it's kind of like, oh, well, maybe. So you never really know. Yeah, I feel like some guys – may just say like oh i want to play with the big name like i I may want to put this guy on my team but like lebron no all the things we were just talking about like that westbrook can't shoot and teams are going to sag off him lebron yeah they they would yeah it'd be a brick it'd be a brick i mean you're building brick houses lebron just did it when the lakers played the rockets in the bubble lebron treated westbrook like he was ben simmons so he he watched it firsthand he knows that so i I absolutely maybe he feels like if he plays with LeBron or so they surround him with more shooting, it'd be different, but I don't know. I just, I can't see LeBron storming in and saying, get me Russell Westbrook. That'll fix everything. No, I agree. I, I don't I see agree. that. Yeah. No, I agree. hundred percent. I think the other thing that people like kind of forget, like you, you touched on the playoffs portion of Westbrook. The other thing that people forget is when you, when you have a guy like Westbrook who plays a thousand miles a minute and plays 45 minutes every night at age 32, yeah. like, there's gonna be a there's gonna be a breakdown somewhere, man. Like he doesn't want to take a night off. He doesn't want to take a couple of minutes off. Like he's going pedal to the metal for for forty five minutes, you know, forty minutes every night. So it's kind of like once it gets to the playoffs, obviously all the strategic things are gonna happen. They're gonna sag off, and it is what it is. But 
he's going to run out. He's just running out of gas. You know, I think that's another portion of it. So That's a great point during the regular season when LeBron needs his nights off. Mm-hmm. Russ doesn't take those nights off. So nope. he can carry the team. That's a great point. Yeah. Which is like, it's admiral. Like, it's cool that Westbrook wants to do that. Like, it sounds good. Doesn't really help you a whole lot when you're the Wizards and you're 34 and 38 mm-hmm. and then getting bounced in five because Westbrook's, you know, trying to get 19 rebounds a night and just destroying his knees. But it's just, I mean, some, that's just how some guys, you know, react. That's why we're fans and they're the players. Yeah. That's why, yeah. So. That's why he is who he is, though. That's why he has yep. an MVP. Yeah, 100%. And the so. respect of every single player in the league. Yeah. So oh, yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. why he is who he is, man. Yep, no doubt. So I do, before we move on to uh, Wes Unseld, I do mm-hmm. also want to talk about Bradley Beal. We've talked about yeah. him a little bit. Uh, and the last time I talked to you, you were fully on, and I think you mentioned you're still on, blow it up. But – uh so I want to talk to you about Bradley Beal because before they were, I think the last time I talked to you, they were right before they went on their run to make the playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was. pre-trade deadline, they were 13th in the East. And then they got crazy hot. One of the best records in the NBA post-trade deadline. They mm-hmm. finished ninth. Uh, they were in the playoff game. The Charlotte Hornets looked like they didn't know they were in the playoff game. <laughs> They couldn't have cared less about that game. No idea. <laughs> and the Wizards, I mean, the Wizards put up a pretty as good a fight against the Sixers as can be expected when they didn't really have a center to, to play against Joel Embiid. They, they did as good a job as they possibly could, I think. So mm-hmm. as far as Bradley Beal goes, do you think this team pretty much topped out in terms of what they can do with the Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook thing, which is what you were saying before. Oh, no doubt. And it's not, again, like it's not a Bradley, it's not a Bradley Beal's game thing either. It's just the way that the team is constructed, you know, the way that the way that the money is working, you know, it's just, I mean, like even, you know, it's not easy because Brad's on a max too. So regardless of who the player is, you know, whether it's Steph Curry, whoever it is, it's not easy to build around a max contract. They are building around a max and a super max. So it's, it's not taking anything away from Brad when I say things like that. He's, you know, he's a, he's a top talent. He's all NBA this year. It's just the way that the team is constructed was, was not done well or properly. Um, so you're kind of just hoping that you get growth from within to, you know, to, to be the, the Robin to, you know, Russ and Brad's Batman. And they just don't really have it. Yeah. So again, Rui nothing, Hachimura's, nothing to take away from Brad, but. Rui Hachimura's, what is he? Is he not a third? Is he a third guy? Fourth guy? So what is the, it? The, the other problem with the wizards is like, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. The, the more I think about it, the less sense it makes. And I've clearly thought about this a lot, but. You have Brad on your roster. You have Russ on your roster. You have an overpaid Davis Bertans on your roster, right? So you have three. You want to talk about Bertans too? We'll talk about. Yeah, for sure. We have you have three vet guys who are realistically in the prime or back half of their career, right? And then you just have youth, right? So you can't like, what's your expectation when you're trying to compete for the playoffs? And your third best player realistically is Rui Hachimura. But you're also asking Rui Hachimura to be your third best player while he's also still trying to, you know, develop, find his footing, however you want to word it. Like, trying to develop the prospects like they're trying to do while also compete with Brad and Russ, just, it just doesn't really work. A perfect example of it, honestly, and, to, and this, the Wizards are at a far worse, you know, position than this team was. But Boston had the same problem when they, when they were playing with Kyrie and Hayward and Horford when they were trying to develop Tatum and Brown, not because none of those players are bad players, but when you have two guys like Brown and Jason Tatum who are playing with vets who are trying to win championships while they're also trying to, you know, not trip over their own two feet when they're first getting into the league, it just, it becomes kind of a cluster that's hard to, you know, get out of, um, which is why I don't really understand the roster construction for the Wizards. But, you know, that's a common question in my, in my world, so. 
when you say you don't understand, because you mentioned the roster construction a couple of times now. When you say you don't really understand it, are you talking about like the Breton signing or anything else in particular? So the Breton signing was interesting because, I, so like, it's so hindsight is such a such a weird thing in basketball because like when they signed him, it wasn't a great deal, but it's like they're not going to be able to to bring anybody back who's going to be worth you know a damn if he were to not you know sign with them. So. You have to bring back something. Did he get overpaid? Absolutely. Did he get way too many years? Absolutely. Not a good contract. But when you have bird rights on a guy who, you know, who had the one of the best, you know, statistical, you know, shooting seasons in, you know, year, you know, in a couple of years in Washington or the NBA, it's kind of like, you know, do you overpay to hopefully have that guy shoot the same as he did last year, which was their thought process? Um it's kind of more about the fact that it's like, if you want to have all these prospects on your roster, but you also want to compete, just pick a lane. You know, that's a very popular phrase among DC, you know, Wizards fans is, do you guys want to rebuild? No. Okay. Then trade Denny and your first round pick for, you know, another, you know, cause they're not going to get like a real star, but get, you know, for a third option type of, you know, type of player. Do you want to, you know, you know, if that's what you want to do and you want to compete, you know, trade those guys. If you want to rebuild, trade Russ and Brad. You can't kind of have both ends of the spectrum and just think that you can do both and be a playoff team while also trying to develop prospects. This is not how basketball works. So. How did Denny look this year? Because he was like one of the more interesting prospects, I think, in the draft. A little, you know, polarizing because his shoot. I know his shooting percentages were kind of weird and he was – you know, he was interesting for sure. There's only one way to describe him so far, and it's just misused. You don't, you don't really know. So the thing with, I'll be honest with you, after watching two weeks of Denny, where they kind of were still trying to figure him out in the beginning of the season, I was like, this kid can, this kid can be a more important asset than than Rue. Um, I don't feel that way anymore. But like, he's got the type of game from like a potential standpoint that it's like, man, like this kid, if he figures it out, can play. Um, Scott Brooks is not a good basketball coach. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's also tough for Danny because like, he's a, he's a, he's like a secondary playmaker of sorts. You know, he, he's thrives with having the ball in his hands, not as a primary, but as a, as a secondary guy who can just make plays. Right. You know, he's got good court vision. You know, he sees, you know, he sees the floor well. He, he can attack the basket pretty well. He's got some strength to him. And playing between being coached by Scott Brooks and playing next to Russ a lot because he, you know, is in the starting lineup a lot, you get relegated to, to spot-up shooting, which has never been his, his bag of chips. I thought he shot okay for a lot of the season, but when you relegate a, a, a play – I'm not going to call him like a prime player. When you relegate a playmaker to, to spot-up duties, they're not going to be able to do what they're, what they're best at. That's kind of what happened to him last year. So he got a lot of flack because he didn't play over really well, but I just, I just think he was blatantly misused. Russ relegated Victor Oladipo to spot-up shooting, so <laughs> nobody can really be a playmaker when they're playing next to Russ. I don't think it's nope. really possible. But, like, the, th- the other thing, like, because a, it's a very valid point, the other thing is, like, if that's the case, you know, Denny can have the ball in his hands as much as Ish Smith in the second unit. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't start him. Right. And I don't think anybody would have any problems with that. But the only problem is then they don't have any wings because they don't know how to sign wings. <laughs> so it's kind of just like if you have a kid who's who's clearly better off, you know, playing with a second unit like he was. Let him play in the second unit. Let him make mistakes. Let him do what he needs to do. Let Ish Smith, you know, handle the ball as the primary, but let him, you know, have the ball more than he would if he was playing with Russ. So Clyde Frazier's favorite player. Is Ish Smith? So every Knicks fan listening just perked up when you mentioned Ish Smith. Wait, wait why? I, I actually don't know that story. Clyde Frazier loves Ish Smith. He every time the Knicks play Ish Smith, he brings him up. He loves him. Just loves is, is Ish like, Smith. Is it because he plays well, or because like he plays poorly and it's good for the Knicks? No, I, I, I don't know. I think he just. I think he definitely likes his name. He absolutely likes his name for sure. Cause he always, <laughs> he always likes saying his name. Uh, it, that has to be part of it, but he brings him up every single time. I, I, I don't know. I don't know the exact reason. Cause he doesn't really talk about it, I guess, but no, hey, every single time they Smith, play. Man. Yeah. He says, he says, uh, that's my guy Smith. 
So, yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I never say a bad word about his Smith. I won't say one either. No, he seems like he seems like a very reliable vet, just a oh, lovable yeah. vet. Yeah, pro's pro, for sure. Yeah, he's been on a lot of teams, so he must yeah. be a well-liked guy. Yeah, for sure. But you're still on team trade Brad Beal. Yeah, all right, so. I'm going to – the hardest part <laughs> to say about this also is – Bradley Beal, who is an all-NBA scorer, he is a fantastic basketball player. He needs legitimate help. He doesn't need another guy. He doesn't need two other guys. He's, he's not a one, realistically. And there's not a lot of ones in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? There's not a lot of, you know, this guy on his own is going to get you far. You know, so it's kind of like, is he a great basketball player that keeps you relevant with just him on the team? Yeah, sure. I mean, they made the playoffs with Russ. You know, they – they had some good glimpses last year, even though they were in the lottery, but it's just like, he's just not a number one. And there's not a lot of, like I said, not a lot of number one. John Wall wasn't a number one when he was in DC. It's just kind of how it works. Why so isn't he I a just, number one? I just, I think that he's a, he's developed his scoring, you know, astronomically, you know, one of the, one of my, even though I'm, you know, giving him flack for not being a number one, one of my favorite things to watch in basketball over the past, like, 10 years has been the development in Bradley Beal's just, just offensive game. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, went from a shooter to, like, a guy who can go give you, you know, three levels and give you 40 points any given night. Um, it's – he doesn't play any defense, which is going to happen when you don't – when you don't, you know, when you have to score 40 every night for your team to win. Um, and we don't really know if he has, you know, any of that real, like, there's no real, like, there's nothing that he's done in his career that like proves that he has like some dog mentality or his clutch or anything like that. Cause he's never been there. Right. He's been a number one for three or four years now for the wizards and they haven't, you know, they've been awful, you know, like the, you know, as, as I'm not going to compare the two, but even like when wall was, was there and he was playing with a teenage Bradley Beal, they were better you know, than they were with, you know, Brad at the helm with Russ as his number two. It's just, it's not, again, it's not, I'm not taking shots at Brad because there's not a lot of number ones in the NBA. I just, great player. He's not a championship caliber player. Would you say he could be the second best player on a championship team? I think he could be the second best player on a very good basketball team. Like conference finals team. Championship team, it depends on what's behind him. I think okay. my opinion on that. Okay. Um, I think if you put him, I think if you put him in, theoretically, not that this would ever happen. If you put him in LA with AD and LeBron, I think that team wins four championships in a row. I think they could beat. I think they can beat Brooklyn because I think that's the type of place where Brad can can score thirty, but he you know has a little bit less on his shoulders, can play a little bit of defense, can shoot to three a little bit better. You know, I I think that's you know the type of place where he would be. You know, they win multiple championships, even over Brooklyn. You know, if you put him in, you know, Dallas would be another interesting one, right? I bet that team's really good with him and Luka. You know, again, these are no, no – he wouldn't go to any of these places because the Wizards wouldn't get shit back. Um, but I think he could be a number two on a very good basketball team. What if, yeah, someplace like Miami. That's a place that <sighs> – like a, an actual place. Uh, like so, who, like – is that because that's a team where he would have to take them to the next level? That's why I'm bringing yeah. that up. So, like, my thing with Miami, and again, the, I don't, people, your, your listeners are probably like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. I don't love Jimmy Butler. I, I okay. really don't. I that really is, don't. That's a hot take. That's a hot oh, take. Well, so, so like, let me, because I want to make sure that everybody realizes what kind of state of mind I'm coming from. Jimmy Butler's a, a great basketball player. He's a, he's a, you know, he took that Miami Heat team to the finals, but that was clearly a, you know, a team oriented, you know, put that, you know, that whole team is what got them to that finals. Um, if you put Brad there though, who again, I think is really a number two, you know, he's kind of playing one, a one B right there with Jimmy. So do I think they're a, a, a fine you know, conference finals team? Yeah, probably they could be. Um, I just don't love Jimmy. Butler. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to, the, to the, to the winning multiple championships extent, that's kind of become the norm in the NBA when you're trying to build winners. It's kind of just how I feel. And obviously, if does Philly fall into that same boat? Because the the two teams I was thinking of were Miami and Philly. Does Philly fall into that same boat with you? I like, I mean, I, so like I like Embiid more than I like Butler. So I think if you put Brad in Philly, that team's better than Brad in Miami, depending on what comes back. Yeah. Um, I Brad in Brad in Philly is kind of interesting because we all know, you know, 
Embiid is very multifaceted in how he can, you know, play. Because obviously playing next to Ben Simmons and got the ball in his hands all the time, you know, those touches that were Simmons running the, you know, the fast break can be Brad, you know, taking guys one-on-one and, you know, scoring from three levels. And Embiid can still be just as effective as he always is because he's, you know, one of the best players in the NBA. You replace Simmons with Beal, who's not afraid to shoot and can score. It's, I mean, it's just significant improvement. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. I'm still not sure if that's a finals team. Consider, especially considering how good the East is now. Uh, sure, yeah, you're right. You're on. Which is which is the other thing with Jim, which is the other thing with Jimmy in Miami, right? Because if like if Jimmy's your number one guy, right? Because I like if, if in your opinion, if he was in Miami, who's the number one? Is it Jimmy or is it Brad? That's a great question. I think Jimmy. I feel like it would be a Dwayne Wade thing, where when LeBron came to the team, Dwayne Wade like handed over the team to him. I feel like, and, and I'm not comparing I, LeBron to, no, 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 to no, Bradley no, no, Beal. No, no, no. Definitely not. Definitely not. But that goes back to what I was saying, that Brad's not really a number one. So if, you're in, if he's in a place like Miami where it's kind of like, is he the number one? Is he the 1B? Is he the two? Because the other guy is Jimmy Butler. Again, that's a great team. It's, you know, there's nothing wrong with being an Eastern Conference final team or a second round, you know, Whatever, realistically, because you're trying to make money and be relevant in basketball and your team can compete every year, that's cool. I just don't know that that combination, just from a, from a talent perspective, is, you know, a, a, oh, they're going to compete with the Nets. You know, they're going to compete with Milwaukee. They're going to compete with, you know, Philly, depending on what Philly does, whatever the case is. So, well, neither one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, they're not near a healthy Nets team, which is a big if. Mm-hmm. And, God, what Milwaukee did in those finals – that Heat team, I don't know, can do. I just don't know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think you're right. I definitely think that I definitely think that a Philly team with Brad is like, you know, Philly was right there with Milwaukee and and the Nets last year. I think that they're still right in this in a similar spot because I think a lot of people thought Philly could before Ben Simmons got exposed, kind of more focusing on the MB side of things. I think a lot of people thought that they could really compete for a championship, and until the Ben Simmons shit. Yeah. It seemed like that. So I think if you put Brad in, in Philly, theoretically, I think that that's a that team is still right there to really competing for championships. What's your ideal team to trade uh, with for Beal? For based um, on who you'd like to get back, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think that like it comes back to like mostly like prospects who um, are kind of like ascending. So I think that's kind of what you're shooting for. You're shooting for like a, you know, a, a under 25 type of guy who's, you know, shown that he can be a real star in this league. So like a Jalen Brown, um, a Brandon Ingram. Um, again, I'm not saying that either of these teams would necessarily, you know, take, you know, give up what it takes to get Brad. Well, um, Celtics might. He's buddies with Tatum. So yeah, it's possible. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, because Brown's, Brown's 24, if I remember correctly. So, like, you know, it, I, I'm not saying that Jalen Brown is, like, who I want to be my number one. This is the franchise guy. Um, but I think if you theoretically, you know, weren't good next season and got a top five pick and then had Jalen Brown on your roster and, and Talon Horton, Tucker, and whoever you can get back for Brad, it's a – the, the the problem with the Wizards right now is they realistically have a couple of guys on their roster who could speed up a rebuild, and they're just choosing not to do it. Like they have, like they have a not a New Orleans timeline because I think Anthony Davis is a much better player than Brad, but they they can get back some real pieces and get back in the mix quicker than I think that they think, which is kind of my issue with why they don't do it because it's not going to be. If they get back the right prospects and don't have to, you know, whiff on draft picks because they don't know how to draft, it's, you know, you're you're in the back in the mix in a couple of years. It's not going to take ten years like it did with Wall. So yeah, there's nothing worse in the NBA than finishing eighth or ninth every year. The Orlando Magic finish. Like, that's the, hey. worst, the worst spot to be in. Hey, welcome to Washington. <laughs> that's the worst. It's our favorite. It's our favorite thing to do. Is finish eighth. <laughs> Hey, some some owners. I mean, you can't even blame that on on the GM sometimes because some owners are like, "No, we want the money for the playoff tickets. That's yeah, the most important thing." It's and it's so frustrating because it's like if it, from a business perspective, like I I get it. You know, you want your team to make money. That's why you're realistically an owner of a of a 
team, realistically. You're a fan, but you're, you know, you're there to make money. I get it. You know, I, I, you have to make money, but it's one of those things where it's just like it's so frustrating to watch because then you just end up in Orlando situations or Washington yeah. situations. Yeah. So. No. And I – okay, I do want to move on because you wrote a great piece about Wes Unsell Jr. and his hire for uh, Wiz of Oz on, on fan-sided. Uh, go check that out. And Wes Unsell Jr., uh, obviously his dad, Wes Unseld Sr., one of the greatest players in franchise history, led the team yep. to their only championship. Co- I didn't realize he coached the team at one point, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just made a face. Yeah. Well, yeah. More, more well-known as a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great mm-hmm. player. But his son has been a hot candidate for a long time as an assistant and is very yeah. well regarded as a defensive assistant. And you wrote the article, Jack. So talk about what you think of uh, Wes coming in. Yeah, I think it's like, I, I'm never going to, I never am going to go somewhere and go, Oh, that's a, that's the best move that they could possibly have, you know, great job. Or, you know, that's the worst move. You couldn't have asked for a worse move. I like to just watch things play out a little bit, but I do think that it was a, a very, a very good hire. I think that, the Wizards, who, you know, are not very good at making sound – have not been very good at making sound decisions in the past, I think did a very good job on just taking their time, interviewing a bunch of coaches. You know, I, I think that that's what you need to do in these types of situations when you have such a delicate, you know, ro- you know situation with how your roster is, is going. I think that, you know, they interviewed a lot of worthy candidates. There was a couple of guys who if they had, you know, hired them, I would have been cool with that. Um, you know, I think that the the last name, you know, some people were trying to make that like, oh, they're just hiring him for the, you know, for the, for the, uh, for the nepotism part of it. You know, everybody knows who his dad is. That'll probably bring in more money, you know, ownership thing. I don't really think it was that. And if it was, even if it was, he's still a very, a very qualified coach. Um, but yeah, I think that the main thing about unsettled that's very important, as I wrote in the article, is like you're kind of in a position right now where if you want to have a coach who's going to be here for a little bit, he's going to be able, he's going to have to be able to adapt, right? You know, the, at any time Bradley Beal could ask for a trade. At any time, you know, Russell Westbrook could be like, you know, I, there's no, you know, no real reason to play here. So I think that West is the type of coach where he's, you know, if you go back and look at his track record, whether it be a coach in Denver or Golden State or, you know, when he was back in Washington or Orlando, you know, he just kind of goes with what's, you know, in front of him. You know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't abide by a specific system. He doesn't say, you know, I only want to coach good teams or I only want to coach bad teams. You know, he's, he's, you can throw the wrench at him and he'll be, you know, he'll figure it out. You know, and I think that's very important. I think that, if, you know, he wants – if this team wants to continue to compete with Brad and Russ, you know, he sh- clearly showed he can coach stars in Denver. And he's also clearly shown that he can coach, you know, rebuilding younger teams as well like he did in Orlando because he was one of the top assistants in Orlando when they were trying to figure their stuff out. Um, kind of like when Aaron Gordon and then guys like that were, were getting drafted to Orlando. Um, you know, the other thing about Unsell that's kind of interesting is everybody's, you know, kind of – including myself, have been, like, real serious on the defensive, you know, strategic stuff that he does. A lot of people don't remember, and this is just me because I'm a a nerdy Wizards fan, he was one of the lead assistants when Gil and Antoine Jameson and Karan Butler were leading the league in in team scoring. You know, back when when Gil was at his height, obviously that's not a whole lot of coaching when you have Gilbert Renas on your team, but, you know, he's clearly got some offensive prowess to him as well. You know, he's not just a defensive-minded coach. Is the defensive mind where he'll probably go? Yeah, absolutely. But this, I mean, don't get it twisted. This guy can, this guy can flat out coach. So I'm definitely, definitely excited for it. Yeah, and you wrote in your article, he's proven, like in Denver, he proved like Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. Coached a pretty good defense with two guys who were heavily featured who are not known for their defense. And so it's pretty impressive that he pulled the good defense out of there with those two guys. So what does that tell you? Maybe he can do something with if they keep Russ and they keep Bradley Beal, maybe he can pull a a above league average defense out of those two guys. Yeah. I, I, I think the other thing that's like, it's so, it's so interesting to watch is like, as we saw him briefly in the Olympics, Bradley Beal can play defense. Like yeah. he can, he really has the the ability to be a good defender. 
when you have to score 40 and you have a coach who doesn't really care about defense, that's what's going to happen to your star player. He's not going to play defense. So I think I honestly think that Brad's the type of guy that, you know, I, I said earlier, he's not really a number one. If he's coached properly with the way that he's kind of gone about his career thus far, he can be, there's, there's still room for him to be coming up. Right. It's just, it's all about how he kind of approaches the game, how he gets coached. Cause clearly with Scott Brooks, he's not a number one when being coached by Scott Brooks. Just kind of, I'll put that emphasis on there. But I mean, I think if Brad can, can, you know, bring a little bit of defense, if Russ can play a little bit of defense, you know, they have some guys on their team who can defend, you know, I think Rui can defend. I think Daniel Gafford can defend. Um, you know, if they, if they preach defense, this is a, like I said, in the article, I think it's a completely different team, you know, to, to be honest with you, it's, it's intriguing. NBA Twitter darling, Daniel Gafford. He was a pleasant surprise as Jack gives a thumbs up for Daniel Gafford's oh, yeah. name. He, oh, yeah. he was fun, man. That is a very interesting move. Like just a small move that they made that really paid off. What was it about him, man? What did he do for you guys? Uh, uh, played a smidget of defense. <laughs> a smidget <laughs> of defense. Me. No, Gafford, he's – and I've, I've said it a million times. He's the center that this team has needed for like five years. Just like he, he, you don't need like this team, the way it was built with wall or excuse me, with Brad and Westbrook and then wall before him, they just needed a, like somebody who could get out and run. You know, they just didn't have, you know, like for years it was Martin Gortat. Um, and then they brought in Thomas Bryant, who's a, you know, a good scoring center. And, you know, you like Thomas Bryant, but Gavard can run the floor with Russ he can catch lobs from Russ. he, Daniel Gafford is the type of guy who thrives off of playing with who the stars of, of the Wizards are right now. Um, brings a lot of energy on the floor, which they have in years – not this past year, but in years past was always, you know, not something they brought a lot of. Um, and he's going to work his tail off every, you know, every minute in practice and every minute he's in the game. And when you have a team that's kind of, you know, trying to, you know, rebuild their, their culture, quote-unquote, that, that they've been calling it, you know, it's guys like – it's high-character guys like that that can, you know, take a you know take a team where you want them to go. So, big fan of Gafford. I think that was the last article I wrote before I took my brief hiatus. It was about Gafford? Yeah. I mean, I there, was, so. there was a lot of Gafford content out there, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like the man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Very well like guy. Yeah. So. So, how does that – because I know – and – Tom, the Thomas Bryant situation. I know the last time we talked to you, you were high on Thomas Bryant offensively. Mm-hmm. And his defense is obviously an issue. Going forward, where does that leave him with the team? Because he obviously missed almost all of last season. But he's coming back, I assume, next year. Yeah, I mean, I think that Bryant is – well, again, it depends on what they're trying to do. I think he's – a perfect trade candidate, to be completely okay. honest. I think that obviously you can't trade him this off, like right this off season because he hasn't played. Um, but I think he's the type of guy where if he, if, you know, practice and, and film sessions and the first, you know, however many games of the season, if it looks like his, his, you know, knees are in good shape, he's the type of guy who could not, again, not fetch you a star, but he's an interesting piece in a, you know, trade if the Wizards want to be, still be competitive. Um, I think that Gafford is better suited for kind of running with the, with the mainstay, you know, with the, with the competitive guys, you know, with, with Westbrook and, and Beal and those guys. But, you know, if the center rotation was Gafford and Bryant next year, I think you got to be happy with where the position has come from where it's been over the past couple of years, which has been a mess. Um, and then if you bring back, you know, Robin Lopez on a smaller deal or Alex Land on a smaller deal, you know, it's a, it's an, interesting center rotation. I'm not going to call it a really good center rotation, but it's just they can fill in better than the Wizards have been able to fill in in the past. So. Who would you rather have back, Len or Lopez? Uh, I, I was just hoping you'd say Robin Lopez really quick because I love Robin Lopez. But So I, I would say Robin Lopez. So the, my thing with Lopez is – and again, I, this is kind of what you have to do when your your franchise is in a great spot. They paid him seven million bucks this year. Wow! Right? That's, really? Yeah, wow. and that's. I think it's honestly because people don't want to come to Washington. I really, I really believe that. I don't think that they went out of their way. Centers. Oh my god! 
I think that's realistically because like when the when the when it came out that he got paid seven million dollars, everybody was like, "What the hell?" But the thing was, it wasn't like an immediate signing. It wasn't like they were, you know, it wasn't in on you know thirty seconds into you know free agency and Lopez had signed a one year seven million dollar deal with you know with the Wizards. It I that just kind of what I where I think they are at the moment with trying to you know get the adequate free agents that they want to get. You have to overpay a little bit. If they brought him back on a three million dollar deal, I'd be like. Got it. No problem. Yeah. It's just, I don't need him eating eight, you know, seven, eight million dollars up in cap. Yeah. It's kind of my sure. thing. He is the epitome of a, if he's on your team, you love him. If he's not, you hate him, guy. <laughs> like, he's that it's guy. So fun- it's so funny because, like, I didn't <laughs> dislike him, but like, they put a lot of stock into him going into the season, just like, oh, yeah, he's going to be our backup center. And it's just kind of like, whoop de doo. You know, we have a 97 year old dinosaur center as, our, as your backup center. <laughs> Which is like he's made a he's had a great NBA career, but it's you know it doesn't it doesn't make you excited, you know it's it's especially with with the league changing as much as it changes. Robin Lopez is playing the same as he's always played, which is you know hitting hook shots and and rebound, you know, and not jumping because <laughs> he doesn't know how to jump. That um, hook shot that looks like a shot put. It looks like he's just line driving right into it's the unreal. basket, and it, it never misses ever. It I don't never, know. Never no, never misses it. Unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. He must have practiced that shot thousands, millions of times. Oh, like I can't imagine oh how many times he's oh practiced that shot. When they started, when they started stretching the floor and making power forwards and centers shoot, like start learning how to shoot, Robin Lopez was like, you know, I'm yeah, yeah. leave me in the paint while yeah. they're shooting their hundred threes. <laughs> I'm taking a hundred hook shots. Yeah, that's what's happening. I'm he, just gonna keep no working dice. on the jump shot. On the hook oh, yeah. shot. He took oh, a yeah. few threes when he was in Milwaukee with his yeah. brother, but. He he took a couple in DC also. Yeah. I, that was probably not the right analogy. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. But not enough to where you couldn't make the analogy. It was oh, yeah. like maybe you could count him on one hand the amount that he he's made. He's like the he's like that. Robin Lopez is like the epitome of like the. There's always that one guy in the YMCA when you're playing five v five, who is like he's you. You're like oh my god, like this guy is so fluky. Like everything goes in. But all he does is goes out and, and, you know, you play to 11 and he'll score five points and just win and win and win. It's like, somebody get this guy off the court. Like, you can't lose. And he just keeps winning. And then he plays his 10 games and then goes home. He absolutely is that guy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He definitely is. 100%. He definitely is. And with all of that said, if he came back to the Knicks next year, I'd be thrilled. If he was on the Knicks, I I would be absolutely thrilled. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it, to be completely honest. I would not be mad. I would be thrilled if he was on the Knicks. Uh, For sure. But uh, moving on, let's talk about the the offseason for the Wizards because the draft is coming up, free agency's coming up. It's, It's the most exciting time, the second most exciting time of the year in basketball because I mean, the NBA Finals was just amazing. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. And I wanted to – I don't know how into the draft you are right now. I, I'm looking a little bit at the, some of the Knicks prospects. So, mm-hmm. if you're into the draft, you can talk about some of the, uh, the draft prospects that you want the Wizards to target. But between the draft and free agency or even trades, if you're thinking about trades, who are some of like – the top players that you'd like to see the Wizards target this offseason? Yeah, I, th- I mean, uh, realistically, I do. I, I'm usually kind of similar as I usually pay attention to, like, the top guys, like the top four or five guys, and then I pay attention to where, you know, the Wiz are in their draft mm-hmm. slot. Um, usually people who fall in between or after them, kind of like just kind of up in the air, up until right before the draft. Um, Moses Moody out of Arkansas um, yeah. is an interesting, young, like – Three and D guy who shot well. He didn't shoot lights out last year for Arkansas, but he shot very well. Um, is the type of like you know high IQ, but still young type of player that I think would work well in in Washington. I think he's probably number you know number one on my list. Um, I don't know that he'll be there at fifteen. They've had him mocked anywhere from like ten to seventeen type of deal. Um, and then the other one is the one who gets mocked for Washington a lot right now. He's a I wouldn't be surprised if they end up with his his name is Corey Kispert, I think is how you say it. Kispert from Gonzaga. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So the the Wizards obviously couldn't shoot they couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat last year from three. So 
you know, Kispert's a kind of like they they call him like a you know a, a sim, you know a college version of Joe Harris, um, who you know with Westbrook still in the fold, you know he's older, which is like you know not ideal for for drafting. But when you have a team that has Russ and Brad, and if you're contingent on competing, like it sounds like the Wizards probably will be, that's probably the right guy. Does he you know grow a lot as an NBA prospect and become a star? No, probably not. But he can flat out shoot the lights out and that's the type of guy that the wizards would probably be most keen on. Um, I would be, you know, I'd be cool if they drafted them. Um, free agency, who knows? You never, I mean, free agency all over the place. Um, they have no money to really play with. They have that, you know, they have the MLE. Um, they have a tax except or not taxes. They have a trade exception. Uh, they're more, they're going to be better off. Like most teams are in trading. Um, you know, the bottom end rotational stuff is always – it's kind of hard to call with a lot of guys, you know, with a lot of free agency, especially this year because the class isn't that good. Um, you know, I think that, you know, they before they traded for Gafford, I still thought Miles Turner was the right type of guy to trade for. Knicks fans love Miles um, Turner too. He's going to yeah, be a hot I, name, man. Yeah, for sure. I, I With Gafford in the fold, I'm, it's kind of like, is it worth paying Turner – He's getting, you know, he's going to get, you know, getting paid real money. Is it worth if they decide to move on from Brad and Russ? Is it worth having Turner in the fold when you're paying Gafford two million bucks? If they trade it for him again, not a, not a bad move in any sense, but it's just kind of like, is it really worth it? Um, it's going to be tough for them this offseason, man. I'm going to be completely honest with you. They're going to have to be active in the trade market if they want to be, if they want to really put a, you know, competitive team together, which it sounds like they're going to attempt to do. Um. I'm trying to think of who else would be like an interesting like trade target because there's not a whole going to be a whole lot of stars on the market. Well, the um, guy, I mean, ju- I'm just bringing him up because the Knicks were mm, no, I I don't know why I even brought Colin Sexton's not a target for the Wizards. So yeah, probably not. Nah, definitely, no. I think that I mean, like there's like a couple of guys who one of the Wizards reporters you know expressed would not be opposed to playing a Washington. The main one was DeRozan. Um, which, yeah, I mean, if you put if you put Russell Westbrook and Demar Derozan on the same court, it's basically 1947. When you're mean, playing basketball yeah. like it's, it's there's, there's an offense, yeah. With, you're not shooting any threes, yeah. Nope. Um, like Drummond was a name that got mentioned, which is just kind of like whatever. Um, does he help your team? He doesn't hurt your team, but it, it, if you really want to compete with Russ and Brad, that's not like an ideal, you know, pickup. Um, but he was getting mentioned there a couple of Man. times. And then, R- you know who the you know who I forgot about who's who's really should be on their on their radar is Jeremy Grant. That's who should really be a guy that they should look into. The problem with Jeremy Grant is what incentive would Detroit have to really move him? Depending on what Detroit's trying to do, because it seems like Detroit's thought process is improving. So it's kind of like, do they really have a whole lot of incentive to move Jeremy Grant for parts? And that's a question mark. I don't know. Uh, but how good is Jeremy Grant? Like, because uh, he had like a really hot start and then kind of faded. So his value may be as high right now as it, as it could ever be. So he mm-hmm. may be gettable. So, well, if that's the case, then I don't think the Wizards have the package to put it together. If he's like really like on, like if he's available and teams are going to go out, Grant to me last year who had the best year of his career realistically, I kind of like look at him as almost like as like a placeholder, like he's a he's a good player for, for he's a placeholder for a rebuilding team. So when you have Isaiah Stewart and Bay and Killian, and then you're you know assuming they're probably going to draft Cade, he can take a little bit of weight off those guys' shoulders when they're on the court together. It's kind of how I look at Grant. He's a solidified guy. You know what he's going to do. He's improved his scoring abilities. You know, he's just a he's just a quality all around player. He's not a star, but you know, he's a he's a he's a good player. Um, so then it just becomes what Detroit, if they decide to move him, you know, what they want, or if they want to keep him for you know those reasons to kind of you know take some of that pressure off of Cade or whoever's you know whoever's on the court for them is kind of the question mark. I don't think I don't know that they'll move him, but that should be the type of guy that the Wizards are is probably most in their grasp who could really help them. Yeah. And he's from D.C. Oh, he's from D.C. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. He's from Maryland. So that's kind of like why people are kind of like maybe, you know, maybe he'd be interested in coming back. Okay. 
I didn't know that. So, yeah. yeah. It is, so. it's, it is interesting because I don't think he's going to be off the table for Detroit. And like, yeah. I feel like what, what's the name? Like, would, would they need to give up like Rui to get him? You think? So, I, I mean, that's so like, I, I probably wouldn't give up Rui. Um, if they, if the if Detroit said, give us the 15th pick in the draft and Denny may, I, like, I'm not, I'm not ready to move Denny yet, but like, if they said 15 and Thomas Bryant, you know, I'd go do it. You know, I, I, I'd have no problem doing that just cause like that 15 slot is kind of like a weird slot. Cause you're, you know, at, at that point in the draft, there's just the overvaluing of first round picks to me is still wild. Um, but you're not fine. You're not, I know Giannis got drafted 15. I know Kawhi got drafted 15. I understand, but you're you're not finding a whole lot of difference makers who are going to be star players often, right? So it's kind of like one of those things where if you can bring back Jeremy Grant, you're contingent. Like you, the Wizards are going to compete and be a playoff team this year. It's kind of like I mean, go all in doing that and go get you know a Jeremy Grant type of guy who can shoot the basketball and, and play defense and be that wing that you desperately needed last year. And realistically it was your demise in Philly. Um, and just kind of see where he gets you. Yeah. So. And the argument is obviously going to be, are you really going to find a, a player at 15 this year? Who's going to be better than Jeremy Grant at any point? The odds of that are pretty slim. So yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a very, it's a very gettable I think it'll be a gettable player and it'd probably be a smart trade by the wizards. If yeah, sure. they were to keep Russ and Beal. Of course, the, the thing going back with the, the, the Detroit thing is if Detroit looked at, you know, when and said, all right, Jeremy Grant's, you know, available. I think there's a lot of teams that could put together a better package than what I just said. Realistically, if they really wanted Jeremy Grant, um, you know, you're not, you're not trading like multiple firsts for Jeremy Grant, but he can definitely fetch you a, a late first and a, a prospect. I won't say an asset, but you know, a, a, a prospect, you know, I think that he could easily fetch that. Yeah. But would, how many teams would be willing to give up a better player than Thomas Bryant? I don't know. I think Thomas Bryant is Thomas Bryant's a pretty well regarded player. I feel like eh, you might be right. There may be some like desperate team that could be like, we'll give you two firsts. That yeah, could happen I mean, too. I, I, you don't really know. That's I just the Wizards are very the the problem I see, the reason I say this is because the Wizards don't have a lot of assets. You know, yeah. they don't have a lot of a lot of you know young talent to send back, which has kind of become you know picks and young talent is what make trades these days. Um, you know, Detroit's got you know Isaiah Stewart who they really like, so it's like, do you you know do you want to have Bryant or do you want to give all the minutes to Isaiah Stewart? You know, it's kind of it's it's kind of tough because. You know, like I said, you know, is Jeremy Grant going to request a trade? Are they even going to put him on the market? It's just, what do they want? That's kind of just yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah. It's a weird market for a guy like that. That's the thing. That is, and because he's only played one year there, do you really want to yeah. move him after, after one yeah, season? Do you really want to sure. move a guy? That sends a Absolutely. weird message after mm-hmm. the guy, uh, Weaver's been there one year too, the GM. Yeah. So Ooh. that's the thing too. Yeah. Um, I also, before we wrap up, I wanted to, uh, because I think I brought up uh, Bertans earlier in that contract, yeah. uh, because obviously I'm in Jersey here and I'm a Knicks fan, but we follow uh, the Nets and Joe Harris played pretty brutal in the uh, yeah. the playoffs, and mm-hmm. he's when Berton signed his contract, Joe Harris. And the Bertans contract were compared pretty much because both shooters signed a big money deals. So I don't know if you looked at the Joe Harris performance or if that uh, impacted you at all or any, what are your thoughts after one season of Bertans on this deal? Yeah, so I'll tell you something interesting that my dad, my AAU coach dad used to used to comment on. He was like, you can coach kids, you can improve them. You know, there's a lot of things that they can improve on, you know, ball handling, defense, this, and the third. The one thing that you can't really teach is, is being a good shooter, right? You're always going to find a way to get on the court and in the NBA perspective to get paid if you can shoot. And I remember when Bertans and Harris were signing their deals, 
you know, I wasn't, did I think they were great deals? No, but did I understand why those teams valued those players? Absolutely, because, you know, shooting is a premium. The other thing I said, though, where I was completely, you know, you know, completely wrong is I was like, <laughs> I remember saying guys like that don't just forget how to shoot. And both of them just forgot how to shoot, which is the, which is the wild thing. And I can always admit when I, you know, make mistakes. They, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a double-edged sword because, like, you sign these guys to shoot, and then if they can't shoot, they're literally there's, they should literally be at the, at the concession stand. They shouldn't even be on the court because they don't bring a whole lot, you know, on the floor. I still think Harris is probably a better option than, than Bertans, um, just because I feel like he can do a little bit more on the floor than Bertans. Um, I think Bertans is a, is a trade filler at this point. I think, they, I think the best thing that they could possibly do would be to have him, you know, get his shot right and shoot a little bit and show that he can still shoot and then move him. I think that's the best, you know, plan. If they can, you know, it's no guarantee for that because he was horrible last year. Um, he can absolutely still shoot, uh, you know, and I, I think that if the Wizards were really competitive, I'd be like, let's get hit this guy right and let's get him – you know, get him going so he can be important on a playoff team, but the Wizards are in the position that they're in. So it's just kind of like, you know, I think <laughs> I don't think Bertans does you much good when you're just an okay team. Yeah. So I I just think that they clearly have to get him on the right track. You know, they said there was like reports last year that he was out of shape, you know, all this kind of stuff. COVID, you know, he was working out in, in Latvia and they were you know, had stricter lockdowns and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, that's cool. I'm not going to, you know, use those as excuses, but you got to get him back on track if you want to do anything with him. Um, and then the other problem that the Wizards had is their owner is not going to let, you know, $17 million ride the bench. So that guy's going to play if he's getting paid that much money. And he went out there and it was just, it was hard to watch. Uh, so they just got to get him right. That's really, there's no choice. They just, they have to get his, his shot back into, into shape and, you know, move how they want to move. They want to keep him and run with Beal. If he can shoot better, cool. If they want to move him, you know, so be it. So, Knicks fans know a little bit about a, a basketball player going and working in Latvia in the offseason and coming back <laughs> and, and not being too happy. <laughs> Maybe being a little out of shape, <laughs> complaining a little bit. <laughs> Well, do, do you remember? Do you remember the joke that I said to you when you sent me the the Porzingis uh, article? I don't remember so, now. For, our, for for your listeners, so Chip sent me the like there was like there's been rumors that the Wizards are monitoring Kristaps Porzingis. Oh, and Chip was like, Chip was like, I had asked him the thoughts about um, I don't remember what I asked you guys. Your Oh, the wall thing. That's what it was. The wall, mm -hmm. the wall to New York thing. And Chip in response sent me the Porzingis deal. And I was like, hey, man, you know, the only thing better than having one overpaid out of shape Latvian is <laughs> having two <overshaped laughs> or out of shape overpaid Latvian. There's nothing better than that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God, Porzingis. Just. I, hey, it's the Tim Hardaway Jr. trade. Yeah, the Tim Hardaway Jr. trade. It really is. I mean, there's a lot of th nice things you can say about Timmy. I like Timmy. Man, he I, I've always liked, liked Hardaway. I, I don't know that I loved when you guys paid him as much as you paid, but I, I think Tim Hardaway, the player, has is, is always been a quality, you know, quality guy to have on your team. Yeah. Love, so, love the player. I hated that contract, but it's not his yeah. fault they offered him that much money. <laughs> no one. Oh, no yeah, doubt. No any doubt. player in the league would have signed that contract. And I think yeah, Dallas yeah. is about to give him a ton of money again, by the way. So Which is, that's another thing that needs to be talked about more is like you put him in the trade as a filler and he turns out being a, a you know, they just needed to max salary. So they traded for Hardaway and then they a, need him. And now they can't star. afford to let him leave. They can't. Yeah. Nope. It's crazy. No, because crazy. Porzingis is such a bum. They can't afford to lose him. <laughs> <laughs> Hardaway picking up the slack is the, for the for the star player unbelievable man it's it's crazy <laughs> and now they're they're desperate they they don't have any help coming it's it's pretty funny if you think about it it's it's a yeah, last and cuban is still so arrogant about the whole thing it's just it you know what it is it's a perfect place to wrap things up making fun of christop sports <laughs> it's an amazing I'm here for it. I'm here it's for amazing it, place to wrap things up
The karma is going to be crazy when he gets traded to Washington, though. That's where this <laughs> oh, is going to all, all backfire. Don't wish that on yourself or anybody. I'm trying not like, to, man. <laughs> I would I would wish that on anybody. <laughs> Stops Porzingis on their team. I really wouldn't. Christoph's oh my god oh my god he's the worst no i appreciate it <laughs> yeah no no uh but jack before we wrap this up uh tell everyone where they, they can find you yeah man uh you can follow me on twitter at uh jack underscore stolnik um you know i ran with like the funny name thing for a while my twitter uh twitter life but as i became more professional just decided to go by my first and last name um, feel free to follow me on Instagram. It's at jack.skolnick. My last name is spelled S-K-O-L-N-I-K. Um, you can find me at wizofalls.com. I, uh, I took a brief hiatus as, uh, as I was telling Chip beforehand, but I'm back better than ever, ready to get back on the Wizards grind for this offseason. Um, you can find me on the Working Title Podcast, which is a, a Baltimore-based podcast that I have started with a couple of my, uh, my friends down here in Baltimore. Um, I am the head of the sports department, so I am – Pretty much anything sports related is all on me. We also have a music podcast and we have an interview series that we do as well. Um, the Instagram and Twitter for that is Working Tea Pod if you want to check that out. So shout out to my guy, Chip. I always appreciate talking to you, man. Shout out to Jeff. Shout out to Colin. Shout out to the whole the whole squad. <laughs> so. <laughs> Jack, thank you very much for coming on. Everybody check out Jack. His content is elite. He's the best. Appreciate you coming on. And check out the show please uh listen review subscribe nick state of mind podcast i'm on twitter at chip murphy seven and uh follow nick's fan tv i am writing for nick's fan tv now i'm gonna be appearing on their youtube shows now i'm gonna be Ooh. on the uh the live draft show with cp and alex and uh, i'm really looking forward to that you can check out my colin sexton article on there and uh i'm gonna have some stuff coming up some new stuff too hopefully something about lonzo ball coming up because i know everybody loves lonzo ball there's no yeah. disagreements about lonzo ball at all never Knicks fans. Never. never okay all right thank you guys for listening another great episode thank you jack no problem listen to chip listen to chip whatever he says <laughs> just listen to him <laughs>